Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. It's time for Lombardi Memories, a subject takes you back and back, into January February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play for the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips. And you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. Today we have Super Bowl 48, held on February 2nd, 2014, at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, between the two-time NFC champion Seattle Seahawks and the seven-time AFC champion Denver Broncos. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, what Super Bowl record did Demarius Thomas set in this game? The answer will come near the end of the podcast. The Seattle Seahawks were a dominant team in 2013. They started the season with four straight wins, then went on to win their next seven games to finish 11-1. While they skidded a bit at the end, they still easily claimed the number one seed in the NFC at 13-3. They then managed to get by the New Orleans Saints 23-15 before winning a dramatic game against the San Francisco 49ers 23-17, holding off a late 49er drive to win their second NFC title. Russell Wilson in his second season was the quarterback for this Seahawks team, He passed for over 3,300 yards and 26 touchdowns, with just 9 interceptions. Running back Marshawn Lynch provided the power on the ground, carrying the ball over 300 times for 1,257 yards and 12 touchdowns. In the receiving department, Golden Tate and Doug Baldwin led the way, each catching 50 or more passes and over 750 yards each while scoring exactly five times each. The Seahawks also had a secret weapon in Percy Harvin, who hardly played during the season due to injury, but was back for the Super Bowl and ready to return kicks. The strength of this Seahawks team, however, came on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive back Richard Sherman had eight interceptions and 125 yards of returns on those picks. Earl Thomas had another five. 
with Byron Maxwell having four and Cam Chancellor having three. Defensive end Michael Bennett had eight and a half sacks and Cliff Avril was right behind him with eight. The Seahawks had the number one defense in the whole league. They went up against the number one offense in the whole league, the Denver Broncos. Denver won its first six games and went on to finish 13-3 as well. Quarterback Peyton Manning was named league MVP after throwing for NFL records of 5,477 yards and 55 touchdowns. He had two receivers over 1,200 yards, Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker. Those two, along with Wes Welker and Julius Thomas, all had at least 10 touchdown receptions. The Broncos even had a running back in No Son Moreno who reached the 1,000-yard mark. To put it simply, this was the greatest offense in NFL history. But the Broncos' offense wasn't all that great in the playoffs. They snuck by wildcard San Diego 24-17 before beating New England 26-16. There appeared to be some key weaknesses in the team that an opponent could exploit. That being said, no one at all expected them to get blown off the field by anyone. For the Super Bowl, the Seahawks won the coin toss, deferred their option to the second half. Denver received and got the ball at their own 14. On the first play of the game, center Manny Ramirez snapped the ball over Manning's head, and the Broncos fell on top of it in their own end zone for a safety. That marked the fastest score in Super Bowl history, only 12 seconds into the game, as Seattle took a 2-0 lead. On their second play, the Seahawks unveiled their weapon in Percy Harvin by holding by handing off to him on an end around for 30 yards. Wilson then threw the receiver Jermaine Curse for 12 yards, and then he, Wilson ran for 6 yards himself. On a third down play, he Wilson died for the first down, but he came up short. Head coach Pete Carroll thought he picked it up, so he challenged the play, but after review, ball was sort of the first down. It was actually moved a little closer to the mark, but since it was not a first down, Carroll lost his challenge. So the Seahawks took a 31-yard field goal by kicker Stephen Hauska, and they went up 5 nothing. Broncos went three and out, and Seahawks got it back on their own 28. Wilson threw to Tate for a first down at the 40, before going to fullback Michael Robinson for six more yards. Wilson then hit Baldwin for six in the first down, before going to Harvin for five more. After a trick play, which resulted in an incomplete pass, Wilson floated one to Baldwin for 37 yards down to the six. A couple plays later, Harvin dropped the pass with Broncos head coach John Fox challenged, saying that he caught it and fumbled it. Replay showed that it was an incomplete pass, so Fox lost his challenge as well. The Seahawks settled for a 33-yard Hoska field goal to go up 8 nothing. Late in the first quarter, Moreno fumbled on a carry off the left side, but he got lucky because... Guard Zane Beatles recovered the football for them. 
But then on the very next play, the Broncos were not as lucky because Manning had his pass picked off by Chancellor after Denver 38. Harvin took a handoff for 14 yards to set up the Seahawks inside the Denver 25 before tight end Luke Wilson caught a five-yard pass to end the quarter. Starting out the second quarter, Lynch ran for five yards in a first down before Baldwin pulled one in for seven yards. A pass interference penalty on Denver defensive back Tony Carter set the Seahawks up down near the goal line. Lynch made it in on his second try, and the Seahawks led 15-0. The Broncos put together a great drive of their own, finally, with Demarius Thomas catching four passes, Moreno run, ran for a first down, Manning hit Welker for 16 yards and another first down, and running back Monty Ball also picked up the first down. But after getting down to the Seattle 35, Manning was hit by Avril as he threw, and the ball fluttered up to linebacker Malcolm Smith, who returned it 69 yards for a touchdown to put the Seahawks up 22-0. If the Broncos were to have any chance of coming back, they needed to score on this drive. Manning threw to Julius Thomas for 5 yards, then to Demarius Thomas for another 18. Welker hauled one in for five, then Julius Thomas caught another one at the 27. Moreno took a reception to the 21, but the Broncos soon faced fourth and two. Fox decided to go for it rather than kick a field goal. Manning's fourth down pass, though, got tipped, fell incomplete. Seahawks took over on downs. They ran out the clock, went to the half with a 22-point lead. On the opening kickoff of the second half, the Broncos tried a directional kick to keep the ball away from Percy Harvin, but it failed miserably. Harvin picked the ball up off a bounce, then proceeded to speed by the entire Broncos special teams, and he went all the way for a touchdown. His 87-yard touchdown return put the Seahawks up 29 to nothing, and the game was practically over already. Manning threw to Welker for a first down to start the next drive. Then he hit Moreno and Decker to claim another new set of downs. Demarius Thomas caught a couple of short passes, and an offside call gave them a first down. The Broncos got stopped at the Seattle 40, though, facing 4th and 11 from there, down 29 nothing. Fox inexplicably chose the punt. It made no sense. The Broncos were trailing by 29 points. What did field position mean at this point? They gained 32 yards on the punt, putting Seattle back at its 8, but they still trailed by 4 touchdowns. Now, the Broncos did get the ball back with pretty good field position, so you may say that it worked out, but not on this day. Demarius Thomas caught a pass and fumbled, and Malcolm Smith was there to recover for the Seahawks. The Seahawks then proceeded to go down and score again. Wilson threw to Luke Wilson for 12 yards, then to Ricardo receiver Ricardo Lockett for 19 more. Curse then hauled one in, went third, 23 yards to the end zone, put the Seahawks up 
36 to nothing. To close out the third quarter, the Broncos finally got on the board. Manning threw to Julius Thomas for eight yards before Demarius Thomas drew a pass interference flag. Welker caught two passes for 12 and 22 yards with a pass to tight end Jacob Tammy from Manning for a first down, sandwiched in between. Manning then fired for Demarius Thomas for a touchdown on the final play of the third quarter. Welker caught the two-point pass, but it was too little too late. The Broncos went to the final quarter, trailing by 28. The final piece of business was to take care of the ensuing onside kick on the first play of the fourth quarter. Tight end Zach Miller recovered the onside kick, and the Seahawks could now relax. But they didn't. They went instead and scored again. Wilson threw to Tate for nine yards and the Baldwin for a first down. Maxie hit Curse down as a 10. Finally, Wilson threw one to Baldwin for a 10-yard touchdown. Seahawks won the game 43-8. It was a scoregami first ever 43-8 game in NFL history. The Seahawks claimed their first Super Bowl crown for the Denver Broncos. It was their fifth Super Bowl loss, setting a new record for futility. Malcolm Smith was named Super Bowl MVP for his pick six and fumble recovery. The fan voting may have had something to do with that. My sister and I stuffed the ballot box for Smith in the fourth quarter while online voting was open. The reason for our love for Smith was that he had happened to win Super Bowl MVP in the Madden game we played the day before. In that game, Smith also had a pick six. That one went 100 yards. As my Denver Broncos team got crushed. <laughs> and Malcolm Smith ended up with the Super Bowl MVP. So we voted for him like crazy. And wouldn't you know it, he won Super Bowl MVP much to the protest of much of the media. So if I were to give MVP out to someone else, well, it wouldn't be Avril because that's who the media wanted. They wanted Avril to win it. But I have to go with Russell Wilson because he threw for 206 yards and two touchdowns and had a pristine 18 for 25 day with no interceptions, even ran for 26 yards. Most years, Wilson would have won MVP, but this year his defense was the story. And Russell Wilson was the second black quarterback to win the Super Bowl. The first one was Doug Williams back in Super Bowl XXII with Washington. And, of course, this past year, we, we had the first Super Bowl with two black quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, versus Jalen Hurts, and Patrick Mahomes won that one. Now, whenever we have to choose a least valuable player, it has to be, unfortunately, Peyton Manning. He threw for 280 yards, many of those being garbage yards, while being picked off twice. He didn't show up in his team's biggest game of the year. Manning would never be the same after this loss. However... That didn't mean he couldn't win big games. 
The MVP of the losing team would be the late Demarius Thomas. He caught a Super Bowl record 13 passes for 118 yards. While that record wouldn't last long, it was still a remarkable performance, even if it was in a losing effort. Sadly, Thomas died recently, but his performance in a losing effort was admirable, and his 13 catches for a Super Bowl record is the answer to today's pop quiz question. The biggest play of this game was the very first one, the snap over Manning's head for a safety. After that, the Broncos unraveled and were never in this game. It was over from the word go. But the biggest play no one remembers is that past the Harmon on Seattle's second drive where the pass fell incomplete, but Fox challenged the Seafields a fumble. If by some chance that had been a fumble, then Denver would have done the ball only down 5 nothing. But the fact that it was forward enough, just to, just enough so it could be an incomplete pass, probably made the difference of this game either being a blowout or at least somewhat competitive. The best player you don't remember? It's hard to say in a game this recent. You probably remember everyone. But I have to go with Cliff Avril. It was his presence that set up the pick six by Malcolm Smith, hitting Manning to cause the bad throw. If you do remember him, then I apologize, but he's a defensive player, so you may have forgotten him now that the Legion of Boom is gone. The Legion of Boom defense for the Seahawks, they have won this Super Bowl, and could they win another? We'll see. For these more recent Super Bowls, though, I can't find traditional books to recommend. So, I'll give you homework. A newspaper's book. Hawk Heaven, The Road to the Seahawks' First Super Bowl Victory by the Seattle Times is my choice. It seems that the Seattle Times picked that title thinking that there were more Super Bowl victories to come. And there was. There was one just one yard away. But that's for next episode. Super Bowl Forty Nine Between the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots. Can Tom Brady break his decade-long drought of Super Bowl victories? Or will the Seahawks repeat and become something of a dynasty? Well, you know the answers by now, but that's what's coming up next. In the meantime, you can find all my books at TommyAPhillips.com, including Sweet 70s, the play-by-play of another classic decade in pro football history. Until then, this is Tommy A. Phillips signing off. Zola. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football, 
Through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians, you'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.